And greetings, friends. What is happening to professing Christianity? There are now over 500 denominations and sects, all calling themselves Christian. Mainstream denominations are now beginning to ordain all kinds of deviants. Mainstream denominations are saying virtually nothing about adultery, about fornication, or unmarried people just living together. Do they think that sin actually still exists? Do they even believe in sin? My friends, what is genuine, authentic Christianity? Can we prove what the original Christianity of Christ and the apostles was actually like? Stay tuned. My friends, millions of people go to the church of their choice every Sunday, but they are horribly divided and confused. Dozens of polls show repeatedly that these professing Christians do not study their Bibles, and they do not remotely know the basic facts about the Bible, such as being able to name all four Gospels. They can't even do that. Although they profess to be Christian, they have no idea about the basic text, the Bible, and what it is really all about. Is this kind of Christianity really pleasing to Almighty God, the Creator? Is cafeteria religion, as it has been called, what God intended? Should each person just pick and choose among the various ideas of religion and invent his own religion in this way? Picture these people in their mainstream churches. They sing and clap their hands. They have a good time. But are they really being taught what the Bible actually says? As America's moral toboggan slide, and we are on a moral toboggan slide down and down, the God of heaven is even now intervening in the weather. He is causing disturbances all over our nation, all over the world more than ever. Far more than just global warning, massive things are beginning to happen. Even now, our dollar in America and our national prestige are crashing. Is there a connection between our personal and national sins and all of these terrible things that are just beginning to happen as the Bible said they would? Remember, the inspired Word of God is the only real authority on spiritual matters. What does God instruct His true servants to do? Think about it. What are ministers supposed to do? Here's a basic instruction in Isaiah. Go get your Bible. I challenge all of you out there, please do this for your sake, not mine. Go get your Bible. Check up on me and check up on all the preachers. See if it's really in the Bible. Some will say the Bible says, and the Bible often doesn't say anything like that. Find it in your Bible. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. God says here, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yes, true ministers are supposed to cry aloud and show people what's wrong to help them wake up. Where are the true ministers who are actually doing this, my friends? What is professing Christianity's real problem? Turn to Jude in your New Testament. Jude, the next to the last book, just before Revelation. Turn to Jude and we'll begin reading in verse 3. 
Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly. Contend means to fight, to fight earnestly for the faith which was once for all, notice that, the faith, the true faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Already men were beginning to come in and say that God's law was done away and just believe on the person of Christ and getting people into all kinds of rituals and all kinds of things the Bible doesn't talk about at all. Already that was beginning to happen in Jude's time. And they were undermining Christianity. They were taking over the name of Christ and stamping his name, frankly, on all kinds of paganism. Turn back to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and see what Jesus said about his followers and what his followers ought to do, what true Christians ought to do. Luke 6 verse 46, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do people call Jesus Lord and do not the things which I say? You're supposed to do what Jesus said. Not just invent your own religion. Not just say, I believe in his name and sweet Jesus, little Lord Jesus away in a manger. No, you're supposed to do what he said. Notice back in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, my friends, Matthew 7 and beginning in verse 21. Here's the wind-up of the Sermon on the Mount, that famous sermon Christ gave near the beginning of his ministry that lays out the whole panorama of Christianity. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, see all kinds of professing Christians say, oh, I just know the Lord, I love the Lord, do they? Why don't they do what he says? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied? Haven't we preached in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? These modern ministers often claim they cast out the demons of ignorance and superstition and so on, not real demons. And, when I, and then he says, I will declare to them, here's what Christ will tell these people, I never knew you, never did I know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Notice that. The New King James has it correctly translated because the Greek word here inspired was anamos, against law, lawlessness. What did Christ mean by saying that these ministers denied law, that they were lawless? Were they disobeying the traffic laws? All they had was ox carts and donkeys back there, my friends. He was talking about God's laws. He did all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. And modern ministers, many of them, thousands of them, have a clever way of doing away with God's law and saying you don't have to keep all the commandments. And they pick and choose among the commandments of God. Notice back in Matthew chapter 5, also in the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus do? if we're going to do what he said. Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass the law until all be fulfilled. 
Fulfilled doesn't mean to do away. It means filled to the full. Whoever therefore, notice verse 19, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, plural, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, even the least of the commandments, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus went on to show that we're not only not to kill, but we're not to hate and expounded the commandments, magnified them and showed we're to keep the spirit. And in verse 27, he said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Did Christ do away with that? No. He said, but I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You're not to have that wrong spirit, that wrong attitude. God says you're to keep the spirit of the law and certainly the letter of the law. You're not even to hate your neighbor, let alone kill him. So the law of God was the basis of Christ's teaching. So important. Turn back to Matthew 19 now. Matthew chapter 19 and see what Jesus taught here. A young man came to Christ saying, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Matthew 19, 16. Now verse 17. Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter life, do you want to enter life, my friends? Do you want to inherit eternal life? Do you want to have the kind of character that God feels then you're fit to live forever in his kingdom and his family? Think about it. If you want to enter life, Jesus said, keep the commandments, plural. And then he began to name some of the Ten Commandments. That was what we was talking about, the Ten Commandments. This is the way of God. Turn back to Matthew 28 now, my friends, the last chapter of the book of Matthew, the very end of Christ's ministry, after everything was nailed to the cross that was nailed there. And believe me, the commandments were not nailed there. He kept teaching them, as you see, right up to the end. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then, this was after the resurrection, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Notice, what are we to teach them? Some new doctrine just about the name of Christ and God's laws done away and all that stuff that we hear today or just the power of positive thinking or the prosperity gospel that God will just bless you uh, if you just come to church and live a generally good life but have your own ideas. Is that what Christ taught? Is that what his disciples were to teach? He says, you go out to all the nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. He would be with and guide his faithful ministers. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This age is coming to an end pretty swiftly now, my friends. So let's wake up. Let's get back and do what Christ said. His true ministers were to teach the same thing, all things that I have commanded you. And he taught them over and over again to keep the Ten Commandments, all ten of them. So this is a real pattern of true Christianity, a church that keeps God's commandments, a church that walks with God within God's laws and keeps God's Sabbaths, God's holy days, God's whole way of life that doesn't kill, that doesn't war, that doesn't hate, and that is out doing what Christ said. What happened to that kind of Christianity? 
What happened to the original Christianity of Christ and the apostles? To answer that question, my friends, I am pleased to offer you absolutely free a truly eye-opening booklet entitled Restoring Apostolic Christianity. Frankly, we plan to later retitle this booklet to say Restoring Original Christianity. That's the whole point, original Christianity, because that's what it is about. So call or write today and request your free copy of this absolutely vital booklet, Restoring Apostolic Christianity or Original Christianity. With much biblical and historical proof in this booklet, it will really explain in detail what happened to professing Christianity and what the original Christianity of Christ and the apostles was actually like. So call now to request your copy of Restoring Apostolic Christianity. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now, my friends, back to our topic, restoring original Christianity. Again, notice what Christ said after his resurrection at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Turn to Matthew 28 again where we were, and please follow me in your Bible. See what your Bible actually says about original Christianity, what it ought to be like. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, Christ had already been resurrected. He's giving his final instructions. He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Yes, his disciples, his true followers, his ministers today should be teaching all things that Christ commanded them. And we've already seen three or four places where Christ said, keep the Ten Commandments. He laid that out very clearly. What happened to that kind of Christianity? Why did that Christianity disappear virtually from the face of the earth? Turn to Acts chapter 20, my friends. Acts chapter 20 in your New Testament, beginning in verse 27. Here's the apostle Paul appearing perhaps for the last time before the Ephesian elders and trying to let them know what was beginning to happen. He said in verse 27, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all of the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know, notice this, my friends, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul prophesied that through God's Spirit. Savage wolves were to come into God's true church. 
Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He pleaded with them, don't turn aside. Keep the original Christianity. Don't let it be taken over by these false preachers coming in. But it happened, my friends, and history shows that. And this book that we've advertised shows it all through the Bible, and many historians show that. Church historians, they know that. Again, let's read Jude's prophecy, which we started out with. Jude chapter 3, if you would. Jude, verse 3, I mean. Beloved, I was very diligent to write concerning our common salvation, and I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Once for all. My friends, this faith was taken over. She explains that men came in, crept in unnoticed, marked out for this condemnation. It happened. The church was taken over by false people all during the dark ages. They changed things, changed things from what God said. Now notice what respected Protestant historian, this was not some oddball, the theologians can't disown him now, Jesse Lyman Hurlbut wrote in this mainstream church history, The Story of the Christian Church, on page 41. For 50 years, Mr. Hurlbut writes, after St. Paul's life, a curtain hangs over the church through which we strive vainly to look. And when at last it arises, about 120 A.D., with the writings of the earliest church fathers, we find a church in many aspects very different from that in the days of Peter and Paul. End of quotation. My friends, why did the professing church become very different after the original apostles died. Why? What excuse did they have? There's no real excuse for that. You know that. The church should have obeyed Jude's command to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. But they didn't. All through the dark ages, you had black-robed people turning the whole thing around, going their own way, bringing in all kinds of pagan ideas and rituals and doing away with the need to truly obey God's command. God allowed men to go their own way. For the last 6,000 years, God is not trying to save the whole world now, my friends. A lot of you have been taught that he is, but he isn't. The vast majority of people on earth don't believe in any form of Christianity, never have. But God has allowed people to be tested to see what mankind will do. However, if God is calling you to understanding, what should you do? You're living at the end of an age. What should you do? I urge you, in Jesus' name, to follow Jude's command to get back to the original Christianity, back to the faith once for all delivered. Notice the Apostle John's instruction, 1 John chapter 2. Turn to there at the end of your New Testament, 1 John, and beginning in verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many, get this, many Antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour. Even while John was alive, these men were swarming in and taking over the name of Christianity and stamping out the Christianity of Christ and the apostles. Understand, many antichrists have come. So we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. They weren't really converted men at all, as John is clearly indicating. Notice down in verse 24, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That's the key. Get back to original Christianity. What did Christ and the apostles teach from the beginning? Go back to that. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. That's the key. Turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 now in your New Testament. And let's begin here and just read verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8, a key principle I've given you many times, but look it up in your own Bible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. If he's living his life in you through the Holy Spirit, he'll live that same life he did live 1,900 years ago. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 if you want to. I'm just going to refer to it here. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul said in verse 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is to live in you through the Holy Spirit the same way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Turn to Galatians 2 and verse 20, my favorite verse that I often refer to here on this program. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of, not just in, but the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, Christ is to live in us through his spirit, the same way of life. So a true Christian, a real Christian, will actually imitate Christ. He will keep all ten of the commandments of God as Jesus Christ did. John 15, verse 10, look it up. John 15, verse 10, he said, I've kept my father's commandments. He'll live that same life in you. He will observe the same Sabbaths, the same holy days, which picture the whole plan of God that he's working out, which most people don't understand at all. He will have Christ actually living within him through the Holy Spirit, a true Christian will. He'll be living in you the same kind of life that he did in his human flesh. That's true Christianity. My friends, as the end-time prophecies speed up, as these things begin to happen, affecting the major nations all over the earth, and we give you that in our booklet and in tomorrow's World magazine, they're beginning to all come together. You need God's guidance, and you need His protection more than ever. So call us or write us immediately and request your absolutely free copy. No bill will ever be sent for any of our literature. It's all totally free. Write or call right now for this booklet, Restoring Apostolic Christianity, Restoring Original Christianity, with much biblical and historical proof from historians. It will really explain what happened to professing Christianity and what the original Christianity of the apostles was actually like. So call now to request your copy of Restoring Apostolic Christianity. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. 
With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Finally, my friends, many of you have asked about meeting with a representative of Tomorrow's World program. You'd like to ask Bible questions or other questions about this work, about biblical prophecy, or about meeting with others who understand what's going on, who understand the truth. So if you'd like this opportunity, please call the number on the screen and tell the operator you would like a visit from a representative of Tomorrow's World. Please speak slowly and give the operator your name and telephone number clearly. Then our minister or trained representative will call you and make an appointment at a time and place convenient for you. No one will come until they have an appointment, obviously. They don't even know where you are. We have nothing to sell, and you will not be pressured to do anything or join anything. But you will be able to talk to a trained representative this work and discuss the truth of Almighty God and the meaning of life. So call now. Notice what we read in James chapter 1. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, James writes. But be doers of the word. That's it, my friends. If you want to act on the truth, call us or write us and let us know you'd like a visit. You want to act on the truth. You want to follow through. So be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Understand, you need to do something. You need to act on God's truth for your good, the good of your family and your loved ones. So write or call, and then our trained minister or representative will come call on you and make an appointment, as I've said, at a time and place convenient for you. Remember, we have nothing to sell and you will not be pressured to do anything or join anything, but you will be able to talk to a trained representative of this work and discuss the truth of God and the meaning of life. So call now if you wish to act upon the truth of Almighty God and tune in every week to Tomorrow's World program. On this program, you'll gain precious information and insights available nowhere else. Richard Ames and I will give you understanding of current events and of the exciting prophecies of tomorrow's world. And they're already happening. We also invite you to join our guest presenters, Wallace Smith and Rod King. They'll give you special perspectives and insights on vital biblical topics. So be sure to join us again next week, right here at this same time. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org.
preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.